This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. For years, I was so fed up with shampoo, I just stopped washing my hair. I quit completely. I was so sick of poofy, frizzy, limp hair, distorting my natural oils. Until a few months ago, I found modern mammals and it changed everything. And by the way, right now you can visit modernmammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. So check that out. So look, I heard about this through the podcast and before I agreed to advertise, they sent it to me and I was reluctant. But let me tell you, I should not have been. This stuff is absolutely magical. My hair felt better, smelled way better, and most importantly, looked better. And I know it will do the same for you as well. It doesn't have those hair-ruining chemicals like other products, and it doesn't leave any leftover residues. It works. Don't believe me? Go read their awesome reviews online as well. Go to ModernMammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. Again, that's ModernMammals.com for 10% off with promo code LSS. Don't forget to use our promo code LSS so they know we sent you. Hello and welcome to another episode of Lead Singer Syndrome, a podcast where I, your host Shane Told, speak to other lead singers about what it's like to be the front man or front woman of a professional rock and roll band. And today we have a great episode with a great front man. In fact, he's not just a front man. He's got quite a few irons in the fire. Mike Herrera of MXPX, you might also know him from the Mike Herrera Hour, which is a very, very cool um, internet radio show on Adobe, a podcast as well, Um, and he's been doing that for three years, so it was really, really interesting to talk to him um, about podcasting, talk to him about MXPX and the great history they've had, and also um, we talk about his penis a fair amount in this episode, be fair warned. Before we jump in, I want to say thank you again so much for tuning in last week with Kevin from This Wildlife. Great episode. And um, I know during the episode with him, I was kind of shit-talking Pokemon Go. I was kind of making fun of him. Well, it's been a week now since that, and I am fully in Pokemon Go mode. I am playing every day. I'm walking around. Well, right now I'm actually in the east coast of Canada, so I'm walking around like all these crazy different cities. I was in Quebec yesterday. I've got all these electric Pokemon. It's crazy. I got my first Pikachu yesterday. So I'm very, very into Pokemon, which is hilarious because if you'd told me this a week ago, I would have said, hell no. So it's funny how these things work out. But thank you again so much for listening to the show. Um, You know, as always, you can get in touch with me via email. Super easy. LeadSingerSyndrome at gmail.com. We've got all the social media shit. We got an Instagram at LeadSingerSyndrome. And I'm going to definitely post something on Instagram uh, when I get home if I could find my old yearbook. You'll you'll know what I mean after you listen to this episode. Uh, So get on the Instagram at LeadSingerSyndrome. Also, Twitter, at Lead Singer Sin, S-Y-N. Uh, we're on Facebook, which is going to be more and more you know, frequent. 
Uh, and lastly, Snapchat. Real Shane told, and I'm very good at getting back to people on Snapchat for some reason. So send me some, I don't know, send me some funny stuff. Send me, send me you listening to the podcast in a funny way or something. I don't know. Whatever the hell you want. I don't care. Also, there's going to be some more stuff happening with the fan club, the Lead Singer Syndrome fan club, which I know I talked about a few weeks ago, um, and it's been, you know, it's been kind of in the works, but it's going to be happening. So again, if you have any ideas at all for things you'd like to see uh, with the fan club, I know a lot of you guys are listening every week and would love to have, you know, a greater role in the show, whether it's just as a fan or, or anything else you can do, and your feedback is more than welcome. So let me know about that. And as always, if you want to support the show... Really, really simple. If you buy anything online at all, anything at all, you probably you probably use Amazon. So all you got to do to support our show is go to leadsingersyndrome.com slash Amazon. That'll take you right to the Amazon homepage. You log in as normal. And whatever you buy, whether it's coffee maker or a TV or a diamond ring for your girl or a landline telephone or whatever it is, we get 4%. And that shit adds up. It definitely adds up. So please, if you find yourself wandering around the internet and you need something, it's real simple, that link. LeadSingerSyndrome.com slash Amazon. Also, hey, I'm going to be at Warp Tour this weekend. I'm going to be hanging out in San Diego and Pomona, recording some podcasts with some people on the tour. So please, if you see me running around, say what's up. You know, say, hey, Shane, hey, and I'll come, I'll come hang out. I'm a friendly dude. So I may see you in California. Anyways, here it is. Let's jump in. My conversation with my friend, Mike Herrera of MXPX. I remember times I had, some were happy, some were sad. Memories me in the park is crime, bowing up a thousand times. I could do it, I feel fine, I went to school and did my time. In a sense, I'm out in a sense, I'm free. You know what, Mike? It's almost like we're both <laughs> professional podcasters. It's all almost, almost. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, it took us a second to get going, but here I am with Mike Carrera of MXPX. How is your, uh, how's your morning going? Or now uh, in the afternoon? Pretty, pretty good considering I actually got to sleep in for a very rare occasion. And, uh, nice, dude. Yeah. Nice. I had major surgery, which is a joke, but. <laughs> so, no, you actually. Do you want to know what I did yesterday? <clears throat> I ended my future fatherdom. No more kids. Um, <clears throat> I have oh, two kids. Oh, the yep, snip snip. I got snipped. And the bark is definitely worse than the bite. You know, you kind of have an, a little bit of anxiety going into that situation. Have you done it? No, probably not yet. <laughs> There's no reason for you to. No, no, I don't have. So I don't have go. any kids I got yet. Two, so, and I'm, I think I'm good with that. So, um, yeah. So, um, you, um, how old are your kids now? I have a three, almost three and a half year old, and then a almost month year old. Basically, a m- one month. Oh wow, a month year old. So you're like, <laughs> so you're like basically at the period of time where you're not sleeping. And you're just like, I gotta get this is never happening yes, again. Yes, exactly. Snip me up, exactly. Doc. <laughs> that's no, that's pretty amazing. So, um, does the three and a half year old does he know what does he know like what you're doing? Did you tell him like 
I'm go. Daddy's going to the doctor. It's my daughter is three and a half. So she, yeah, she, she def, she, okay. <laughs> she didn't know what I was doing, what I was doing. Of course no, not. No. no, but no, uh, no, yeah, it's always funny when you explain, you know, these very actually kind of complicated, you know, things to a child. Yeah, and it, and my favorite part is just sometimes their reaction. You know. Um, where they actually seem to understand or don't. I haven't had to do too much of that because, you know, she's still at the age where she's learning pretty simple stuff. She's uh, in preschool, or I guess it's not even a sanctioned preschool. You know, they have all these schools nowadays where you're you're younger than preschool aged kids can go. So she's been going to school and she loves it. And it's right. like playtime. It's just like teaching you to play with other kids and stuff. But it is a trip being a, a dad and then. And having this other life, this other life in quotations, which is, you know, the punk rock lifestyle where I'm out all night, people are partying, like it doesn't phase me at all, like that's just part of it. But I wouldn't want my daughter around it, you know, so. <laughs> but why? Not more, I guess it's not morally, it's just like, not yet. Like, wait, wait and choose, you know, try to raise the kid uh, as neutral as possible, right? Um, everything's. I think so. Yeah. You know? Yeah, so... I mean, I think you want your children to find their own path a little bit, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, Definitely, so... You know, and, and I think you you probably found, you know, your own path growing up. I mean, obviously, you're, you know, I know... I mean, I want to talk all about this, but, I mean, your parents were very instrumental in your life, early life, and, and even your career. Um, yeah. But, I mean, I don't think it was your mom and dad that, that gave you, like, a Ramones record or anything, was it? No, no, that was through friends, you know, but but there's a there's a path right, to all so. things, and uh, I can get into sort of how I got into music if you want, but uh, <laughs> let me let me finish up the the bisectomy real quick. So <laughs> the reason the reason why I decided to do it is you know we we had planned to do this eventually. It was just like I've been dreading it. I'm like ah, I don't want to do this, but I should do this, and I, I want the outcome because I don't want to have any more kids. I have two. I'm good, even if God forbid I was to get a divorce and you know be back out in, in, into the world, I wouldn't want to ha- be able to have kids. Like no more. <laughs> I'm good with it. But uh, it is a beautiful thing. It is. A, it's a wonderful thing. But yeah, that's so fine. I did it. I basically it just feels like you get kicked in the balls. It's not even that bad to be honest. You get some nice drugs. Yeah, I don't really even know what they what they do. They they basically it, they basically do just kind of cut something, right? Yeah, you want me to go through it real quick? I'll give you a, a short story. <laughs> yeah. So you get two pills, and you get two of two pills. You get a Percocet and a um, what do it was some some Mazepine or something. It's basically like like uh, like some kind val- of volume. Yes, yes. Uh, I don't know my my opiates as well as I should, right, folks? <laughs> I <don't, laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> so I get two pills of each, and the directions are take one one hour before procedure, and then take the other two, uh, you know, one each, and then they take the other two yep. 15 minutes before the pr- procedure. So the idea is it kicks in right before, and then it kicks in pretty much after as well as you go into your day. And... My appointment, I thought, was 2 o'clock, and so I got there at 2 o'clock, ready to go, took my pills at 1 o'clock and one forty-five, feeling a little good, feeling really good. All of a sudden, it's 2.30. I'm like, wait a second, is, are the pills going to wear off? What's happening? I thought it was 2 o'clock. So 
no need for panic. They call me at 2.30. I go in there. I wait around a while. I'm like, where's the doc? Come on, come on, come on. And I'm just all nervous. I just want to get it over with. And you sit on this metal. You lay on this metal thing. Basically, they put your balls on this metal square, like rectangle. And it's, (laughs) it's got two wires connected to it. And then it goes off into this this patch bay or whatever. I mean, I call it a patch bay as a, as a sound guy, but <laughs> so I get in there. You don't even have to get naked. You just take, you take naked from the, from the bottom down. Right. So I have my shirt on, which is the sexiest move alive is, is socks on t-shirt on no underwear, no pants. <laughs> there you go. Yes. And I'm laying down, put my balls on this, this cold metal, rectangle and then i have to wait another probably 20 minutes just chilling just being like uh okay um (laughs) he comes in comes in sticks me with two needles he says you're gonna you're gonna get two needles this is gonna be the worst part (laughs) in the balls balls, in the scrotum i mean they don't go in your balls like picture eyeball it's not going in your eyeball it's going it's going like in the skin in your eyeball. So, picture if you, ladies, sorry, uh, I don't know how to describe this. Maybe take your labia, and that's where they hit. I don't know. I don't know how that feels. <laughs> I but can't, I can't relate. It was to that, the worst but... part of. <laughs> that does sound terrible, though. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So so, pinch, a, a so little like bit of like you've you've already taken a. Mm-hmm. You've already taken a bunch of drugs, like you're on Percocet and some kind of Valium at this point? Yeah, too. yeah. So I'm feeling pretty good, and then it feels like he's squeezing my balls, which I know he's not. He's not actually taking his hand and squeezing the egg. But it feels like it. Just a little bit of pressure, you know? And then... Yeah. And then um, he starts with the laser. I smell a little bit of burning, burning human skin. Let's just say. <laughs> yeah. But it doesn't hurt too bad. It doesn't hurt too bad. And then I'm like, okay, all right, cool, cool. And he's like, all right, we're half done. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes to the other side. And uh, the other side seemed to go a little faster, maybe because he was already sure. He felt sure. He's like, I know his nuts now. I know, I know what to expect. Yes, to that's ex- right. To, to yes. expect. He was a Mike Herrera nuts expert. Yeah, there's there's one guy that's seen my nuts about a thousand times more than any other guy <laughs> on in the world. So this this man. And there to be know. honest, I feel bad because I I don't even know his name. Like I don't remember the doctor's name. Um because it was a referral doctor, it's not my yeah. normal doctor that did this. So Right. Of Let's course. just say yes. he looks like if you ever watched that show Grey's Anatomy. Yes. Um, I I mean, my wife used to watch it a while back, so I knew I knew some of the first couple seasons. I watched watched a bit, and there was a character named Doctor McSteamy, not McDreamy, which is the main character. Oh yeah, I know. I remember Mc, McSteamy. I remember McSteamy. Yep, with the kind of the yes. goatee and stuff. This was yes. the spitting image. the The brother, the cousin of that guy, looked right. just like him, um, and he fondled my nuts. <laughs> So when he when he played with your nuts, did you get a boner? Not at all. Actually, they tape your dick down. <laughs> yes, they do. 
See, wow. see you're never going to get That's, anybody to who, tell you this. Who tapes the... <laughs> Who tapes the dick down? McSteamy taped it down, or they had some Actually, kind it's of just uh, him. Nurse it's a it. pretty easy procedure, so it was just him. So just McSteamy t- taped my dick down, and no, I did not get a boner. I was not. I was not feeling the the love. I mean, I was feeling comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, with your balls against the cold metal rectangle. Yeah, sure. Yeah, it warmed up. It warmed up. That's great. So anyway, a lot of a lot of your audience now knows. <laughs> Me maybe in a in a way they did not want to know me. Um, that's life. That's most of life, though. How often does that happen? Hopefully, you will never have to do that again. Like if they mess it up or uh, the reversal, because I understand there's a reversal, which probably it can't be good. It's probably like like removing a tattoo. Way worse than getting way a tattoo. worse. Way worse. You know. You know, Shane. Yeah. Probably one of the best parts about the procedure is going to be the post procedure. Um, break-in period. So you have to wait two weeks. And then yeah. they want 20 orgasms. 20 orgasms. And then they want a sample after that. And then they test that and you bring that in. So I actually have... My work is not done. It's not... <laughs> 20, I have to, 20 is such a funny number. Why want to make. It takes 20 times to get all the like remaining backstock. I, I guess it's like, you may as well, it's not so bad of a, of a situation that you're dealt with, right? And so they just make it, they make it fun for no. you, I guess. They're like, hmm. The, the, the male doctors sure. are like, what's a, what's a good number, you think? They're like, they probably came up with 12, a dozen. And they're like, eh, it just doesn't seem like enough. <laughs> Go to 20. Well, it's great. I mean, you... I mean, that's one way to convince your wife to have sex with you, I guess. You know, hey, it's for medical purposes. It's for, yes, it's for posterity. In fact, you got to write it. I'm sure you got to write it down. But uh, hopefully, hopefully, <laughs> fellas, you're not having to worry about that. You know, if you you have a better situation than that. But let's face it: some some people no. are in bad bad relationships, and they only have sex n- none a year. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> The approach I'm taking is more like the bad stand-up comedian being like, yeah, my wife won't fuck me. You know, one yeah. of those kind of... <laughs> Take my wife, kind of, please. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know. Um, anyways, dude, so enough about my career's <laughs> dick. Uh, let's talk about yeah, something else. Yeah. And um, and it's really good to have you on the show. Um, I was on your show, which was a lot of fun, so thank you for, for um, reciprocating. Yeah, thank you guys for doing it. Thank you. And uh, how is it going? How is it going with the the Mike Herrera Hour? Are you enjoying that still? You've been doing it's it. It's been great. Um, I'm enjoying it still. Every now, I, it it creeps into my mind that this is a lot of work. Why am I doing this? I should I should take a break. And I and then I, the next week rolls around and I got to do another episode. And, and and the episodes themselves are so fun. Like I love it. Uh, your episode is. Right. 154 i'm pretty sure let me just double check this yeah go ch- right so that's like three years if you go once a week right? yeah may that's 20th 2016 not too not too long ago so uh check out shane on my show episode 154 you can go to my net. check uh click the link uh my career hour easy how did you get into the the you know podcast radio interview stuff because you know i've, I've only been doing this for what eight eight months now or something and you're far ahead of the curve like before podcasting kind of get got popular so how, how did that how did that all come about for you well a lot of things you know i uh, the way i sort of do what i do happens in much the same way each time so i'll give you an example when i got into punk rock music i started 
I became friends with this guy that was in, you know, showed me the Ramones, showed me Social Distortion, and it was all new to me. I was listening to Michael Jackson and, you know, the Jets and <laughs> stuff like that. Huey Lewis in the News was definitely one of the hippest things I was listening to. This like fifth grade. Got into right. Stray Cats and, and all these things that touched the edge of punk rock. And then when I finally got into punk rock, it was because of friends. It was because... I wanted to, and then I started going to this band practice, this local band. They sounded a lot like, I would say the closest thing would be a bad religion type band. Um, sure. And I, I was just blown away. I just loved it. And I wanted to do that myself. I was like, I want to do my own thing. And so anytime I, and a lot of that goes with my influences, seeing the descendants, see, uh, listening to Black Flag, just anything that takes you. And puts you in the room and goes, and you think to yourself, I want to be doing this. Um, blog, uh, podcasting was that for me as well. Listening to Joe Rogan, listening to a little bit of Mark Marin, WTF. I listen to all sorts of really nerdy podcasts. It's nuts. Uh, I've been listening to like a coding podcast, and no, I know nothing about coding, but just things that you kind of have a little interest in or or you hear somebody talk about a technology that's new and upcoming maybe it's like uh um virtual reality the vr stuff is fast up and coming like i don't know much about it so kind of what i started doing is i would find a podcast and listen to that um you know it starts with like maybe an article on twitter or somewhere on the social media facebook right you read about something, then I'll find a podcast about it and start listening. And maybe I'll only listen to one episode and then bounce out. Maybe I'll listen to a bunch of episodes. Maybe I'll just pick and choose. But it's like my newspaper. It's my my way to gain knowledge about life, about not only just current everyday news, but of course things that have been around for centuries that I've just not known, not not gotten to learn yet. Right. No. And uh, so that's why I started my no, own. No, it's a great it's a great tool yeah, for that. So that's why I started my own. Yeah, no, yeah. it's a great tool for that. Yeah, well it's it's interesting that you talk about podcasting like that and, and right away you relate it back to like your start in punk rock. Um and, and it's 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 really cool, you know, I know you're like what, four thirty nine now, almost forty. Thirty nine, thirty nine. <laughs> and punk rock has basically been you know, more than half your life, it's, you know, it's kind of been all encompassing, you know, with not just your adult life, but also a big part of your youth as well. And what's interesting about that to me is like, it's kind of like all you've known, you know, like, like, is it, it must be very hard for you to think back to a time in your life where you weren't in MXPX, like you weren't that was you weren't Mike Herrera from MXPX. You were just Mike Herrera, the guy. And and uh, that must be. Is that? Do you ever think about anything like that? That's an interesting way to think about it because it, it you'd have to go back so far in my life. I'm so, it's like a completely yeah. different person. But there are those underlying um, character character qualities or whatever that that I can see. I still have, um, whether I got it from my parents, whether I got it from something, you know, teachers early on sports. Yeah. Uh, I played soccer when I was a kid and, um, and I also wrestled, played soccer and wrestled, but, uh, this was all like very young age, like elementary school, played baseball, a little bit of t-ball, 
But um, so I've always sort of just tr- been, been down to try things. I played one year of basketball, and I liked it, but I had to make a choice. You know, it was like a priority, priority sure. that or that. You know, but um, right before MXPX, right before sort of I started doing the music, I I was definitely in my room imagining performance. Uh, I would do that before I knew how to play. Now, it, it's strange because I don't feel like I do, uh, I don't have the same, um, I guess, persona or performance style as I did when I was a kid on my bed. I was trying to be like Brian Adams or, you know, <laughs> you know put, on, put on a record, you know, like a stadium rock record. And, and that's what I sort of envisioned before MXPX. But that was also really before punk rock. So I think I yeah. think I wonder what would have happened if I would have found like a different style of music if if uh instead of the the bad religion style punk band practice that I was checking out hanging out with these guys if they were instead like I don't know what would be around that was pretty that was like late 80s early yeah, it was like 1990, I would say. So yeah, I don't know, like a hair metal it band. It could have been like a like country that. band or a hair metal or you know like even hair metal, like there was a, a some neighbors down the street, like two houses down, that had a, a garage band, and and the drummer was the guy that lived, you know, it was the neighbor, and over and over and over they'd play "Talk Dirty to Me" by Poison. <laughs> over and over, and, and I, of course, I love the song because how, how can you not? <laughs> but I remember that sounding to me so good. It sounded like fucking the record. And I'm sure if I heard it now, it'd sound like a train wreck. But it's funny how our perceptions, and when we're young and hearing something for the first time, really can be, <clears throat> it can be the whole world to us. You know? and, yeah. and when, I, when I heard that punk band, that was exactly what I knew I needed to do. And I'm well, sure I'm su- if I, yeah. No, I'm surprised that it was more a punk band, especially like, this is like we're talking about like 1992, right? 1993 maybe? And that's like, that was like when was, Nirvana, you know, was ruling everything and like alternative music was huge and there was the, the Seattle sound and you were in Seattle. Yeah. You know, like you were literally there and it was the time when Nirvana was like the biggest thing since sliced bread. And, um, you know, you somehow were not involved with that. I'm sh- I mean, I don't know. Are you a fan of Nirvana? Oh yeah, I love Nirvana for sure. Yeah, so so it's, it, it's it's strange that that you did you gravitated, you know, towards that because it really wasn't until and some of our younger listeners won't really understand this, but we, we're old enough that we remember. But like, it wasn't until like '94 when like Green Day and The Offspring got big. That's kind of when punk rock like really took off. Oh yeah, for sure. I remember. Well, obviously I remember, but Green Day came opening for Bad Religion at the Moore Theater. And Dookie was not out yet, but they played a bunch of the songs, and yeah. they sounded they they blew. I mean, Bad Religion was great, but I mean, the difference in performances with Green Day was night and day, because they just always had the crowd in the palm of their hands. Yeah, they were just it was all about that crowd interaction, and that was a huge sort of uh, inspiration. You know, seeing a band like Green Day. And how they connected with the audience, you know that that really informed me a lot on, 
you know, performances. And, and that see, MXPX started in 1992, but I had started playing bass about a year before that, 1991. And that was, I didn't hear about Nirvana until I would say junior high. So that was ninth grade, junior high. So that was 91. Yeah, so I was already sort of into punk rock. I was into skate punk all you know yeah. i was i was in my scene and i heard nirvana and i and i thought it sounded like metallica i was like this sounds like a weird ass metallica song because it because <laughs> it had that like <laughs> kind of sounds like james hetfield but, but so the like literally the first time i had heard about nirvana was after they had had smells like teen spirit on the radio yeah. um yeah. but i guess like anything it was they were f- not, not that they were from a big city, but they had moved to Seattle. So they were older than us. They played bars. So when they were up and coming doing their thing, it was like a, a separate local scene. Like, say, the local scene in Poughkeepsie, New York, and then the local scene in Toronto is going to be... You may not know the other local bands until they get, boom, on the radio, right? So it was the same, even though I was an hour away from where Nirvana was right. playing. We were well, too Poughkeepsie's young to get like into probably, their shows. Yeah. Poughkeepsie's probably like eight hours from Toronto, but I mean, you mean like Buffalo? Well, no, I'm, I'm just saying it could be any city. I'm right, sorry, right, I was right, just right. like, it no, could have I, been I get it Bremerton too. or Poughkeepsie. I, it I, mean, it's like I mean, even in Toronto, in the, suburbs, in the suburbs, we had different sounding bands than in the city, you know? Like, mm-hmm. even that was different, so I totally get it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, it was cool, but by the time I knew who they were, they were already big. <laughs> No, and that's that's just wild, man. That's that's like that's a wild story. How you get into punk rock, and you're in basically in Seattle, and you, you know, don't end up in a grunge band. So that's good, though. We're happy. MXPX yeah. fans are happy that you, uh, you know, you, if you did, you probably would have OD'd yeah. on heroin by now. So um, the, the funny thing, that's a yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, I know. but uh, <laughs> no, go ahead. Go ahead. I was gonna say, like in our scene in in Bremerton and Kitsap. You know, when grunge was huge, there was tons of grunge bands, there was metal bands, there was thrash punk bands, and there was not a lot of pop punk bands. So I guess it wasn't really called that when we were doing our thing, we were just like a punk band. But we actually, before we got a little bit of notoriety in the scene, we were made fun of for having our guitars sound too clean. Like people would, like a, pr- a proper MXPX joke would be play your clean channel. And then start playing some power chords and be like, who's this? <laughs> you know, right. whatever. But it was like, because we were so much cleaner sounding than the average uh, harder harder metal band. There was a lot of metal, of course. There always is. It's, it's Hardcore so funny, Hardcore grunge, yeah. Well, that was also the age of, like, the Metal Zone pedal. Like, every kid owned a Boss Metal Zone pedal. And you would, like, you know, the buzzsaw guitars on those records. Like, it's funny, my first punk band which was about that era, too. We were called Jerk Circus. It was a skate punk band. I sang and played guitar in it. And when I listen back to those old recordings, the guitar has so much distortion. And it's like, why did we do it? Why did we think that sounded good? You know? And I don't know what it, what it was. Like, everybody wanted this, like, super saturated tone, which, you know... Because, like, back then, I remember plugging in, like, a JCM 800 and being like, this doesn't have enough gain, man. Like, this doesn't have any balls. Like, why is everyone playing this? And now I plug it in, and I'm like, it's perfect. You know? So uh, I, yeah. don't, I don't know. It's, it's, it's funny how, how those, those kind of, 
you know, trends, I guess, I guess kind of, you know, come into play. But, uh, but I mean, yeah. it is, I mean, you guys must have been compared to Green Day a lot in those days, too, in those early days. Oh, we were, for sure, for sure. Three-piece band and everything. Three-piece band, uh, definitely poppy, some of the, some similar, you know, lyrical content. Um, I'm sure we had some of the same chord progressions, to be honest, and that's just the way it is, but <laughs> sure. bottom, the bottom story, the bottom line is, I mean... MXPX kind of you can kind of tell what that sounds like, and same with Green Day and Bad Religion, and you different players are going to play you know those three chords a little differently, you know, and they can accent differently, and then the vocal on there. So I mean, I didn't realize it then, but it's just all about finding what you do best, and yeah. That's that's not necessarily what's easiest because you know we, you want to challenge yourself, but you don't want it to be so hard that you can't play it live, right? You know? <laughs> I don't know how many times you know I've overextended myself and been like, "This is so badass! I just got to do this on the recording," and then and then <laughs> yeah, you just can't sure. do it live. <laughs> that's a real thing. I mean, I mean, when you talk about you know this is the, obviously this is the lead singer syndrome podcast, and mm-hmm. I don't think that's something we've touched on. Um, you know, on the podcast. So let's let's take a little break and, and talk about that. Like, you know, generally speaking, singers, you know, when they sing in the studio and stuff, you know, everybody has a range, you know, that they're comfortable singing between like this note and this note. Um, but there's a big difference between what you can hit in the studio into like a, you know, a perfect sounding mic in a perfect sounding room with headphones on with the best mix, you know. Yeah. Uh, all warmed up. When you can up. hear yourself properly. <laughs> warmed up, yeah. And and when you're like on tour in a smoky club in Germany and you've played like 11 shows in a row and you haven't really slept and you've had four beers, like that note isn't exactly coming out as easy, you know? So 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 is that is that kind of what you mean when you're talking about like, oh, I got to hit this note every night on tour? Like maybe I'm not going to hit it on the record. Even though I can, maybe I shouldn't. Yeah, that's absolutely what I'm talking about. Uh, I think about that so much more nowadays um, than than I ever used to, and I tried. You know, I produce other bands now and then as well. And you'd be, I mean, you know this. Bands are constantly trying to like pull off some trick. It's similar, like a skateboarder trying to do the 360, right? Well, are you going to do that 360 ollie? If you can't if you can't land that every single time, are you going to do that at the World Championships when everything's on the line? Or are you going right. to do the badass move that's maybe not as badass, but you know you can land because it's ultimately what's what's going to make you win, you know? So I guess No, I like that analogy. <laughs> yeah, so I, I guess I kind of I go, okay, like let's see what's possible here. Um, try some melodies, try, try to see how it feels to sing it. And if you're not getting it really solid in like four takes, I think it's time to change, you know, and, and I usually will change it up and I tell other singers, try a few different things. Maybe it's go lower. Maybe it's just a few less notes because a lot of times it's like, we don't really think about what's the most catchy way I can sing this rather than what's the most crazy way I can sing this. <laughs> yeah, so well, I mean, a lot it depends of on it depends yeah. on what you're trying to do too. I mean, you know, having a catchy part is great. Um, mm-hmm. but you know, I think if you make every line catchy, sometimes 
the really catchy ones don't pop as hard, you know? Like, you know, the hook has to be the hook. So, um, yeah. you know, you know, the same way if a singer sings balls out all the time, well, when is it really going to, like, sound balls out? It's just not going to sound balls out anymore, you yeah. know? So it's all about the dynamics, dynamics for sure. That's interesting. Um, I want to jump back a little bit, and uh, I want to tell you a couple quick funny anecdotes. Um, but I also want to get your take. I know that when you guys started, uh, your showcase, I read this on Wikipedia, but um, your showcase was for uh, Tooth and Nail was in your parents' backyard. Is that true? Uh, almost. Um, we- <laughs> <laughs> I love that Wikipedia is almost true. Yeah, it's almost true. Our first show was in, in my parents' backyard. And that was 1992, July 6th. That's our, our official start date. And yep. by the way, next year is our 25-year year. So we got a bunch of oh, big I, things I planned. Know. I know. That is on my list of questions. Okay, we'll talk about it. Um, so, so we'll talk about that, yeah. So, yeah, that was our first show. That's July 6th. When Tooth and Nail, when we did a showcase for them, they actually came to a practice, which was... Two about two years later, I think. Okay. Two years. Okay. So just in our garage, which was, you know, a few steps away from the yard that we played our first show in. So yeah, those two separate instances. In uh, you know, if they were making a movie, though, they would have to come. There's too much. So they had to combine those two things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Well, that's fine. Well, your parents. I mean, obviously, were very supportive to let you. You know do that in your backyard but a funny story i remember i I was in high school and one of my friends ordered a shirt from you guys uh i guess it was online i guess there was the internet at this point ordered it online and your mom called him and was like uh hi i I, we don't have this in a large is a medium okay and he's (laughs) like okay and he's like, dude, I just talked to Mike from MXPX's mom. <laughs> <laughs> so is that true? Like, did you, your parents help out with, like, your merch store and stuff when you were on that tour? That is a trip. Yeah, yeah, actually, yeah. My mom has been long involved in helping out with various things. She, she does a lot of, like, payroll stuff, that kind of deal. And right now, she's she's the manager for our merch store. So, like, everything we, we sell out of, you know, our MXPX.com store is all from the garage that went, that the showcase was in for Brandon from Tooth and Nail, that uh, the video from Doing Time was filmed. Um, I mean, it's like this garage became a studio, which was right. our first project studio, the clubhouse. And then uh, when I moved from there, I, I started my own studio, Monkey Trench. That became the offices and merch arsenal of like all the mxpx mail order stuff so my mom is sort of like the manager of all that <laughs> it's kind That's of crazy rad. so it's been the same it's been the same place like you know since 1992 the same house and everything yeah 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 that's pretty that's pretty cool yeah maybe you'll maybe you'll be cleaning up one day and you'll find like a, a box of like life in general vinyl or something behind a, a shelf <laughs> that's like fine like Wow, we just found like twenty thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no, that would be uh, awesome. I hope that happens. Yeah, no, that's funny. No, I really wanted to tell. I really wanted to tell you that story about um, about high school. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You know what else is a funny story about um, high school? So if you look in my last year of high school yearbook, and I, I'm sure you ha- they have this everywhere, but you know they'll, they'll have all the graduates will fill out this little stupid survey where it'll say like your nickname and your favorite saying and all this stuff. And one thing is they ask you what your pet peeve is. And I shit you not, in my high school yearbook, my pet peeve is MXPX. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> and the funny part about it is I never had a problem with your band. I actually always liked your band. The reason I had that in my yearbook was because I liked a girl. and hi- It's always about a girl. I liked a girl in high school. And the guy that she kind of like was going out with or, you know, kind of whatever, his favorite band was MXPX. And it's like all he ever talked about. So, you know, I don't know. You're a dumb kid. I decided to, to, whenever whenever MXPX was brought up, I decided to tell people I didn't like the band. And uh, I guess on the day... The day we had to fill out those surveys, uh, that's the day that I was particularly angry, and uh, I wrote MXPX, and it's there in, in the notebook. I'll actually take a picture of it if I can find my uh, my high school yearbook, and I'll put it on Instagram if people want to see it. Dude, but that's amazing. It's funny, it's funny because, meanwhile, I was still listening to Life in General. You know, that was like a record I really liked, and uh, and Slowly Going the Way of the Buffalo was a great record, too. So it's, it's just funny how... how you know, the social aspect of things and, you know, affects like <laughs> whatever that is. You know? Yeah, totally. So you could have single-handedly been responsible for how unsuccessful I've been in, as a musician. <laughs> I could be, yes. No. Well, if, if, I mean, you if, told if all like, those people from high school, they'll all be like, oh, yeah, no, I'm not going to check out that band because uh, Shane, Shane Told said, uh, said it, they weren't cool. Yeah. No. Uh, <laughs> It's it's just I I mean I feel a little embarrassed admitting it to you but it's 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 just one of those kind of hilarious things and um, I also remember when we toured together in Japan thinking about telling you this story too because I thought it was funny and then being like eh maybe I'm just gonna leave that one out uh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean uh, but, hearing you explain it though it makes complete sense it's like obviously nothing personal and. No, no, it I wasn't anything. Per- it wasn't anything personal, and literally, it was just that that day. I was like angry at the girl or the the guy or whatever, um, the girl that broke my heart. So, but that's <laughs> uh, yeah, I had to tell you about that. So, um, with MXPX now, I know you guys. You, you, I mean, I know you guys are playing some shows. I saw you're playing a show with like Masked Intruder opening for you guys in yeah. Minnesota. Yeah, that, I, I mean, I follow all your social media, so I see everything you're doing. Um, who's playing with you? Is is Tom and Yuri back? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tom and Yuri are back. Um, they're they they play ninety nine percent of the shows. Now and then they can't come, but yep. they try to. So um, we play a lot of fe- a lot of weekends, a lot of big shows. You know, we just yeah, with that Triple Rock show just went on sale. Um, when does this air? By the way, do you know? 
soon? Uh, <laughs> it's gonna it's gonna be out on Monday. Oh, okay, cool. Well, yeah. So it just went on sale. Um, Two thirds cool. of those tickets are already sold out, but it's MXPX Mass and Trader at Triple Rock in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Just go to mxpx.com for everything. I love, I love that place. Yeah, it's been uh, MXPX has never played there, so it'll be kind of oh, cool, kind of fun to do. But we're doing yeah, three fifty. Yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say yeah, we're doing that sort of like we're we're throwing that on because we're out that way already for three fifty Brewfest in Tinley. Tinley, uh, Tinley Park, Illinois, but it's right. MXPX, Bayside, Menzingers, Bull Weevils, tons of beer. So if anybody loves beer and they're anywhere near Chicago, August 27th, nice. also getting the close to selling out. Dude, the Bull Weevils. I haven't heard that name in a minute. I know. They were on this fat comp forever ago, and I just yeah, love no, them I ever since. I think a hopeless comp, actually. I remember them on a hopeless comp. They had like a great song, a great song called Talk People, which is like... It's a great. Song. I'm gonna play it at the end of the show. Would, I'll play yeah, the XPX song and I'll play "Talk People" by the Bull Weevils. It's uh, I always said it was one of my favorite songs. It's like a two minute skate punk song. The vocals are so buried, but they're such a great performance. It's it's weird, but man, the Bull so, Weevils that will be a cool. That will be a really really cool show. Um, uh, so yeah, no, uh, the, the whole Tom and Yuri thing is interesting because I know those guys from again when we toured Japan together and running into them in various places, but. You know, I understand they basically kind of retired from touring. You know, you did yeah. the MXPX All-Stars for a while with, like, Chris Rowe from the Ataris. And now it's like they're back. And to touch back on the 25th anniversary of the band, I assume in 2017, 25 years of MXPX, you guys are going to be probably doing something. Yeah, we got some big things planned. We're definitely going to do something in Bremerton. Um, we're going to be doing some bigger festival i mean we're gonna do we're gonna hit it up again and do some stuff we haven't done before um we're kind of i mean this fall actually even before we get to the 25 years has been pretty huge you know with september 17th and so socal mxpx uh at the chain fest and that's a huge bill under oath uh circus survive coheating cambria i mean it's just like what and then we're doing october 1st in santa uh in San Antonio, Texas, remember nice. the Punks Fest, and that bill is insane. It's got uh, we're headlining with the Vandals, the Exploited, TSOL, like all these punk bands, like crazy stuff. Cool. So, so there's a lot of fun things happening. Um, it, it almost seems like uh, if you're into sort of that mid '90s punk thing, you know, it's it's a good time to be going to shows. Uh, Lagwagon's been out a lot. Of course, they're in Europe. Yeah. I think. Um, you know a lot of a lot of bands that we've kind of grown up with. You guys have been doing amazing, still like bigger and bigger and bigger. Proud of you guys. I know we talked about it on on yeah, my podcast thanks, a while back. Um, so yeah, twenty five years is something that only comes once every twenty five years, right? So <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it, yeah, it's the biggest one until maybe fifty. So yeah, uh, <laughs> but um, you know, the, the you talk a little bit about the the mid nineties scene and and you know you guys coming up right in the thick of it uh you know with with green day and offspring kind of leading the way and then there was this explosion um what was that like i mean you know you th- all those bands like you know no effects and Lagwagon, the fat records thing the epitaph thing you guys kind of being in the center of it but then also being the christian you know version Mm-hmm. Um, how, what was that like for you guys back at, back in the mid nineties? And, and did you really understand at the time 
what was happening? You know, there's there's a lot of a lot of different ways to go with this. I mean, for the most part, you know, once you once you kind of have some success, some almost unexpected success, where there, there's more there's more offers than you can deal with. There's more this or that. I don't know. Like thinking is is very important. It's very important to get outside to like step away from that. Sure. Unfortunately, I was what nineteen, eight, like seventeen, eighteen when we did our. I think it was eighteen when, in nineteen ninety five when we did our first tour. Um, all I was thinking about is <laughs> hold on tight, keep going, play a show every. I mean, you're just like there's no time to really think. You'd think, oh well, yeah. when you're when you're traveling or this or that. I, I think the best thing I did was I read a ton of books during those years. And that informed me a lot about, I think, the art side of life. And now in my later, you know, in my 30s, I've sort of switched to re- reading or even, like I say, podcast, like listening to audiobooks and podcasts about the other things, about business, about coding, about things that, that I certainly don't know enough about, but that could possibly help me be more efficient in life. And mm-hmm. so going going back to the mid-90s when everything was crazy, uh, I was just holding on. It was just like swim for that that dock and don't drown. Like that's that's the vibe I yeah. was was living. Well, the other thing too, and it's it's hard for people to imagine and it's even hard for people our age to remember. Um, you know, you got to think like 1995, you're on tour. There's no internet really. Mm-hmm. There's no cell phones, you know. So basically, you're driving in a van and you're, yeah, you're reading a book or a newspaper. Maybe you're playing your Game Boy. You know, there's those kinds of things, but there's nothing. There's no one connecting. There's nothing connected. So yeah. it, it it must have been really difficult to understand the impact you guys were having playing a show. There's no Instagram pictures to look at from the night before on the hashtag, you know. So. It must have been like you finish a tour and you go home and then you kind of like go, oh, well, that was good. Is the next one going to be bigger? Like, like it must have just been so weird to, to not have any real feedback that you could kind of see. Yeah. Shane, I have a legit, a legit original copy of a fax that I got from our first agent. Yeah. <laughs> and... You'd be blown away. It's just like, wow, this is a different world, a different way of living. Because he starts out by like, I know that uh, we won't see each other for a little while, so I wanted, to, or all together in the same room for a while, so I wanted to send a fax to every, so you could all read it together or whatever. And he's talking to the band, and yeah, and he goes on to say like. I'm really sorry. This one thing got screwed up. It was not my intention. This other band that we were like pissed at or something. I don't know. I'm not going to name names, but it is. is, uh, So he goes and like kind of like fixes this problem or says, you know, don't worry. This thing was already booked, but it won't happen again. And then he goes on to say, we have a few things for you guys to decide, you know, I need answers on. So he starts to list a few shows and he goes, you know, this one show in, in Chicago said, uh, there's going to be thousands of people there. It's going to be great. They, they can fly you out and pay you a thousand dollars. And I'm just thinking, I'm thinking back to that show and I'm like, Oh my God, 
we got paid a thousand dollars only <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> i know and I mean, like we got ripped off so much for so long and it's like i guess that's just the price of doing business is you gotta either realize that early on and teach yourself so that you don't get ripped off or you learn eventually like we eventually learned you know sure. do the math go how much is the ticket how much is the rent how much is the fees how much is the security right. you yeah. know like is this yeah. adding up and then because there's real dollars and real actual profits that that are are going to be great for everybody but bands generally get screwed yeah no, they, they do. <laughs> they do get screwed. I remember one show we played, the first time we ever played in Phoenix, Arizona, we played like a, our guarantee was $100. We were headlining and uh, like 500 people came. It's a great show, you know, so you figure even if the sh- tickets were 10, were 10 bucks, uh, that's like five grand coming in for some yes. call and you got <laughs> like, like at the end of the night, you know, gave us five $20 bills and said thanks and we were like, uh... Can we like get more? <laughs> He's like, well, that's not the deal, you know. Like the deal was a hundred dollars flat. We're like, okay, I guess we'll have enough money to get to the next show. You know, it's just like it was just another world. But you yeah, know, and and you have to it, you have to kind of get ripped off a few times before you realize, uh, you know, you just how to protect yourself. Yeah, and, and in retrospect. You know, you want to go, okay, I don't need to be a dick to this guy, but I should at least tell him, hey, I know that was the deal, but you did really well, and we'll come back and play with you again. Obviously, you're going to have to give us a better deal, but isn't yeah. there some sort of bonus, you, you know, in good faith? And if not, then you just, you take your numbers and you go to the next guy, because... Well, right. It's re- I'm sure but, that's ha- that happened. But we didn't you know? know that at the time. You didn't know that at the time, and it's just like, that's how you learn, right? Yeah. Yeah, but nowadays well, they have podcasts. You can listen to this conversation and go, "Oh, okay." So when that happens again, I should probably at least just say something. Just, just talk it out. <laughs> just communicate. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, yeah. Thank God for podcasts. That's all I have to say about that. Um, yeah. uh, what was I going to say? Um, well, a hundred dollars things. Like if I was doing, if I was a promoter and. I didn't think somebody was going to sell 500 tickets and the guarantee was 100 and then $5,000 gets plopped in my lap because you know it's sold out. Okay, sure. You got to pay the sound guy this, sound guy. So there's there's 500 less dollars. Still you've got you've got $4,400. Yeah. Uh a little bit, at least a hundred percent bonus, another hundred dollars. Yeah, even that's I mean, if, even if that's an had, insult. Sure, if if the guy had said, "Hey, the show did really well. Here's an extra hundred dollars," which is nothing to him, we would have been stoked, and uh, we would have probably come back and played a show there on the next tour. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but you know, we would have been stoked because he would have just given us more. And even though two hundred dollars is still rip- getting ripped off, yeah, um, <laughs> you know. Yeah, it, it is. It is interesting, but but I will say we did have a promoter one time, just gave us more money once. Had mm-hmm. a sold out show, and you know that's happened to us multiple times. And, Those are the yeah, best. yeah. It's just like here, here you go. And we're like, well, the back end isn't even that much. It's like you know what, you guys deserve it. And we're like, well, hey, uh, okay, thank you. You know, that's and hey, great. guess what? We still we still book shows with that guy. So exactly. See, I mean, yeah. it, you think of it as a business. Think of it as as when you work with people that mutually are 
benefiting, you're going to continue to do that. It's like yeah, over-delivering. Over That's what MXPX always tries to do. We don't always get there. Sometimes we fail, whether it's a technical issue or, or we're just like we didn't see something. But when it comes to the this customer service type stuff, we try to over-deliver. Yeah, I think that that's the reason that you guys are still, 25 years later, you still have a career and you're still doing it. I think that that stuff with fans goes a long way. I mean, you know, that's another thing I wanted to ask you about is just, you know, a lot of the pop punk bands from the mid-90s, you know, a lot of them have either, you know, broken up, faded away, uh or have disappeared and now kind of are coming back here and there. You guys have been pretty damn consistent. Um, you know, I know there's been a few kind of like hiatuses here and there for maybe a year or whatever, but you guys have put out records pretty consistently every few years. Um, and you guys really have gotten through all the trends in, in the scene and music and everything. How did you guys adapt to that? That's or a did great you not question. Even think about it. Yeah. No, I definitely thought about it. Um, you know, rolling with the punches, you know, the, the one thing that's never changed for for me is being able to, I wouldn't say accept failure, but don't I don't let failure ruin anything. Failure is a learning experience for me. And so I think where some some of the other bands have failed and given up, we've failed and just a pivoted we adapt we we treat yeah. it like okay well it's not us it's them or <laughs> whatever delusional mantra i tell myself it works because it's it's not it's about like finding the audience and it and it's it's not about adapting your style to what they like because as an artist or as a pro you know if you're a business you're selling a product if your product sucks your product sucks but with music it's so it's so different because some people love it some people hate it some people hate it because their girlfriend's boyfriend loves it you know so it's like (laughs) it's not the product is good or bad it's just this is our product we can of course get better but from then i start thinking about okay what's best for this this platform so social media has tons of different companies where where's your audience spending their time because if, if you're on Twitter and none of your f- people that like your music are on Twitter, then you're kind of wasting your time, yeah. depending on what you're putting out on Twitter, that is, right? So I think in that respect, in a very real marketing respect, I do pay attention to what goes out on what platforms. I spend yeah. time on Snapchat for fun. Sure. I mean, I just love sure. Snapchat. but I like Snapchat um, too. But, but I mean, I, I mean more like... I just mean more like Mike Herrera wakes up in 2003 uh-huh. and everyone's listening to Screamo. Like what goes through Mike Herrera's head where he's like, what, uh, what is going on? What is this music? Like is pop punk dead? Or is anyone going to, going to go to my shows anymore? Like what was going through your head at that, at that moment? You know, the yeah. same way the hair metal bands in the early nineties were like, everyone's listening to Nirvana now. What the hell are we going to do? Like there must've been some thought there. I mean, yeah. I know you guys did a tour with Chiodos, like a co-headline with tour Chiodos, which was pretty, you know, weird. Pretty weird. It it worked, you know. So how did you make that work? Well, we've toured with a lot of different bands, and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. We do. We did the Offspring with uh, Cypress Hill, and 
I mean, our fans generally probably like Offspring, but our fans also probably don't know much about Cypress Hill. So I don't know if that worked, but I loved it. So, yeah. so I think there's two things. There's, there's, there's uh, trying new things, experimenting, seeing what works. You gotta be, you gotta be okay with that. And so when I wake up and everybody's listening to Screamo, everybody's got their Silverstein on. Uh, <laughs> that's okay, you know, because you you have to think this is not this is not a sprint. I'm not in it to get rich. I'm not. I'm spending time on things that I enjoy, and eventually. I will see fruits from that in some ways, in ways that I'll never even be able to plan. And so yes. I don't think of it as trends. I just think, okay, I, I stay up on what I can stay up on. Um, I old, My ultimate goal is happiness, right? My, my ultimate goal is, is to be well-adjusted, to live a happy life, to be healthy. Um, what does that mean? That could mean a million different things to a lot of different people, but... Why do I do music? Why do I do MXPX? It's obvious that it's a it's a lot of work with a, a you know a normal salary. I would say like a pretty average salary, yeah. but but the balance of having a life where I don't have to get up and be told what to do and th- this and that and that like I'm making the decisions, so I give a little bit of money for that, right? So you give up, okay? Maybe my bank job that I could be making three figures. Uh, I'd be able to take a nicer vacation, but I get to go on vacation for free in my band. So, <laughs> so you know, like I think of things in yeah. all encompassing this way, and it makes life a lot easier because it's not about just today. It's not about just tomorrow. Um, but I know that what I'm doing today may not make me five dollars today, but yeah. ev- eventually, it's gonna the evergreen will will grow. That's right. my thought. That's my thought. And and I think it's been happening without me even realizing it with MXPX with the growth with the podcast and you were at, you were talking about when when I was growing up doing MXPX there was no cell phones, there was no way, no Instagram, no way to sort of gauge what was going on. And that's very true. That's probably why a lot of things happened the way they happened for us. But now I have to schedule time, schedule time to be creative, schedule time to, to like do the non-businessy stuff because right. the biz- it never ends. It never, ever ends. No, it, it, it does get harder and harder the more things you have on your plate. Um, but I do, I do agree with you, though, that there is a certain amount of synergy that's going to happen in your life with you know, all the projects you're doing and everything. I think that that's, that that's good. And I think, you, yeah, I, I agree that, that things are starting to... Kind of, you know, the, the 25th anniversary is exciting, and I think a lot of people are going to rally around that for MXPX, and, and um, even me, who hated you guys in high school. So, <laughs> there you go. Uh, uh, well, cool. I, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. I want to ask you about one more specific thing, um, and I want to ask you about the Christian band thing. And um, obviously, you guys were a Christian band. You were known as a Christian band. Um, I have kind of two questions. The first question is, when you guys were touring with, you know, bands like Bad Religion, uh, obviously not a Christian band, uh, you know, the No Effectses and all those kinds of bands that were not Christian, the first question is, did you guys feel like outcasts or was it cool or whatever? And the second question is, 
when you guys sort of decided to drop the Christian moniker, um, that must have been a conscious decision. It must have been difficult to make that decision because you would disappoint some of your fans or a lot of your fans. Um, and what made you do it? Was it because of your own beliefs or was it just something that just sort of started bothering you um, over time that you guys were constantly labeled as a Christian band? I know that's a lot to take in. It's a long question, but I'll that's let you a, talk. That's a lot to unpack. Mm. Yeah, well, I mean, you, you get where I'm getting at, so I just kind of want to yeah. hear your thoughts. Let me, give, let me give the audience a little bit of context, a little bit of background. Sure, yeah, absolutely. Um, I grew up going to church, and we started the band in 1992, so that's high school. And yep. we were, we were, I was going to youth group a lot with my guys, Andy, Yuri at the time. Uh, Tom Wisniewski was hanging out. He was hanging out, but he wasn't in the band yet, uh, our guitar player. And so we were going to youth group, and we kind of, you know, I was definitely a, definitely a Christian, believed all that, um, and that kind of that happened as we started the band. And Tooth and Nail Records signed us. Um, we had sent, I think we sent a demo to Fat Records, but that could have been that could have been just my memory. I think Tom's band sent a demo to Fat Records. That's it. Tom's band was called Evolution of Man. <laughs> okay. So definitely not Christian. So Right. So yeah, we we kind of, you know, youth group kid, we we did shows in churches just cuz they would let us do it and we couldn't play in bars we were too young. And we started little by little, I started renting out places, either it was a church or a community center. Um there was this like natural gas building up the street that was had just like a room you could do birthday parties in. I threw shows yeah. in there. So Going back to how we got started in that, poor old Lou, a band from Seattle, Aaron Sprinkle, people would know he's produced like Under Oath and of course a bunch of bands. But um, he, uh, you know, we gave him our demo, and so that sort of that introduced us to Tooth and Nail, and that was how we got monikered a, a Christian label, right, or, or a Christian band or whatever. But um, but we were Christians, but I don't know, man. It was just like I was into Black Flag. I was into, I was in the Circle Jerks. I was into the Descendants, you know. So like, I wasn't listening to any Christian type music. I was into right. No Effects, Rancid, Op, Op Ivy, um, even some hardcore stuff from the East Coast, but like Gorilla Biscuits. So I mean, sure, to me, to MXPX, me, it was like a new thing. The Christian MXPX thing. MX, sorry, MXPX lyrically isn't really Christian. I, I mean, I don't recall there being a lot of Christian content on those records. Yeah, I mean, there was a few on the, fir on the first early ones. There's a few songs, but it's whatever, a line here and there. I'm getting, I'm getting too long-winded on this, but to answer your question, <laughs> so I grew up going to church, and as I just grew up, Got out of high school, started touring, started meeting all these people. We toured with Bad Religion. They, Greg Graffin definitely busted our balls a little bit and said, you know, he would he would subtly make fun of the fact that we were Christians and, and stuff like that. Wow. But it, but it wasn't ever so much to where we felt like we can't be walking around or, or whatever, you know. So like uh, the other guys were always really nice to us. Um, Bobby would always hang out. Uh, Bobby Cher, would, their, one of the, their drummer at the time, would would come yeah. and hang out in their bus, and so yeah, I mean, I remember, aside that was like from Stranger Than Fiction era, yeah, yeah, aside from from that, you know, a few comments from Graffin, uh, it was great. 
But I always felt a little bit like an outcast in general. And it probably was my own my own recording in my mind. And well, you're also really young too. Young, insecure, very very much um, unconfident about my abilities, about who I am as a person, about whether or not people will accept us, the band, me as a person, you know, and we didn't grow, grow up in California. So we're sort of these outsiders that we didn't even yeah. grow up in Seattle. We're in Bremerton. There's no other bands like us coming out of Bremerton. So all these things contribute to the fact that I feel a little insecure in general from 1995 to maybe a couple years ago. <laughs> <laughs> That's a long period of time, dude. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I'm getting better. <laughs> but yeah, but I mean, when you started openly talking about the fact that you had kind of moved away from, you know, uh, I don't know how to, how to word it, but you've, you know, Christianity moved away from being for sure. Christi- yeah, sure. Moving away uh, from it. Uh, mm-hmm. when you started openly talking about that in terms of like interviews and stuff, was, were you scared about that and how your fans would, would perceive that? Like, like bringing, you know, bringing out the pitchforks and stuff. There's a little bit of fear, but I, you know, overall, overall, okay. I, I would feel weird about smoke. I used to smoke cigarettes. I started smoking because I needed, uh, smoke breaks at the Italian restaurant where I wash dishes. Right. So right, start the only way you get a break at a restaurant <laughs> is if you smoke. That's the funniest exactly. thing. It's so true. So true. Yeah. So I start smoking cigarettes and, and then we go on tour and I'm sneaking cigarettes out in the van because we're playing church shows. And I'm just like, I don't feel like I'm a bad person for this. This is stupid. And there's like a plethora of different things that I felt stupid about that I shouldn't have felt stupid about. And, so I write these sort of songs uh, about legalism and about sort of anti um, anti church stuff. Even though I'm not anti God or whatever, but this was early on, and so like that over yeah. the years, I just felt like okay, I don't have any issue with somebody being gay. Do what you want to do, um, that kind of thing, and. I finally just started vocalizing that more instead of internalizing. And I got to tell you, the internet is a huge reason why I probably am not still a Christian because once you have information and you have the ability to research and not just listen to the guy that's preaching to you, you know, telling you the truth. Well, then then you can start to make decisions for yourself. And that's, that's what I did. It's kind of harsh because people do not want to hear Something other than what they've been believing their whole lives, right? Yeah. There's a confirmation bias. That's what they call it. No. You uh-huh. can show yeah. sh- show a red pen to somebody, and if they learned from an early age that it was blue, they ain't going to believe you, right? Yeah. I mean, I think a big thing, too, that, that isn't always talked about with, um, you know, you know, the whole Christian band thing is a lot of Christian bands, they, they grow up in smaller rural communities and stuff. And once they get out and they're going to other countries and they're seeing other cultures, um, you know, they start to, you know, they open their eyes a little bit to, to other things and other ways that people live, you know, yeah. especially when you go to like places in Asia and, and stuff and you're like, wow, this is different. And maybe what I know from my little hometown that's in, you know, somewhere in Florida or something, maybe, you know, I'm talking more about under oath, but you know, my little hometown of Florida, maybe now 
there is more out there and there is more to kind of know. And um, I don't know if this is controversial or huge. not, but like, it, you know, it's, um, it's true and it happens to a lot of bands. No, it's absolutely true. And that's, that's similar to what the internet does is, is it gives you a oh, different, yeah, exactly. different that's, that's look exactly into, the, yep. But right, yeah, that's exactly, that, exactly right. Yeah. That happened to me because you realize, okay, I was if you're born in the Middle East, chances are you're going to be a Muslim or, you know, I'm generalizing, of course, but th- that's just the way it is. Sure. Depending on where you're born. If you're born in Salt Lake City, Utah, <laughs> there's a big percentage you're born into a Mormon family. Okay. Yep. No one's going to deny that. And why are you a Mormon? Because your parents are Mormon. Why are you a Muslim? Because your parents are like, rarely do people convert from, you know, one thing to another. Um, I mean, I know there's cases of that. Well, they but wouldn't. I mean, they wouldn't unless they learned something else, you know, yeah. about it mm-hmm. through either from traveling somewhere else or through the internet. That's like pretty much the two ways, you know? And people know this. They know that, oh, I guess I'm, I was born in America, so that's why I'm a Christian or a Baptist. But that's, they know this, yet they still don't, ta- they, they don't internalize it. They uh, say, well, it's true of everyone else. But I, yeah. I know what's real. I know what's real in my mind. Right. I guess what I, where I'm coming from is I no longer was certain that uh, the Christianity, the religion of Christianity was true for me, you know, and yeah. I'm not saying it's not good in some ways or whatever, you know, I respect it. I'm not saying there is no God because I don't know. So I guess I'm agnostic, but I don't follow any God. I don't praise any God. Um, I, I am thankful every day for my life, for being alive. Um, I'm thankful for my family, you know, for the good things, but it's like life is not all of one thing. It's like, we all know, even if you have a good life, something bad can happen. It's just, that's the way it is. And so this whole thing about God's, you know, got your back and it's God's will when some tragedy happens, like it's, that's too much. It's too far a bridge for me. Well, it makes sense, man. Well, hey, uh, Mike, thank you so much for taking the time today. Um, yeah, I really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, it was really, really nice talking to you. Yeah, man. Thanks, Shane. Hey, real quick, really quick. I always play um, music on my show. Uh, any MXPX song you want me to play right now? I know you got a lot to choose from. Sure. I'll rip it right now, whatever you want. Which song you want to hear? Uh, check out uh, Stay On Your Feet. It's kind of a fan favorite from the latest album. Plans within plans. All right, here it is. Stay on your feet by MXPX on Lead Singer Syndrome. And thanks again, Mike. Thank you. Peace and love.
Oh!